We are coming in hot. The podcast. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Thank you live from Airplay Beats for the intro music. We are recording live from Dar- Darling New Media Studios in Midtown Sac. Now, today's guest, uh, everybody knows this cat, man. I, I first met this guy. We was out in Roseville. And, you know, back when we was out in Roseville, you know, like there wasn't too many black folks around. I'm just going to be real about it. And there was this dude that came in every weekend, big black dude with about 15, I don't know, 40 inch pizzas. And I tell you when the, the servers and the front of the house staff, I've never seen so many females run up to a big black dude before in my life. And he would come in every weekend. We would chop it up just about, you know, future endeavors and what he's doing. And, you know, this is about 15 years ago. And 15 years later, we still out here, you know, talking to each other, trying to build in our communities. If you don't know who the hell I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about Chef Rodney Ray of TNR Barbecue on Broadway, Oak Park. How's it going, Rodney? Man. Yeah, man. Hey, it's it's about time, man. It's about time. It's about time we got on here and talk shit like we normally do. You know what I mean? Like, there ain't no holds barred here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it on the tape. That's how we say. Yeah. Hey, this 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 is on this is on the internet, so it ain't never going away. So there you go. <laughs> so let's let's go back to when when you first started. Did you start cooking in Texas, or you just came here, you know, and started cooking here? What what was your journey from Texas to Folsom to Roseville? To Oak Park. Well, you know, my first first cooking experience was I beat up my sister and took an easy bake oven. <laughs> I said, how dare you cook cake in your room? I was like seven. She was five. Okay. That's historical fact in the house. And then <laughs> I was truly blessed because my mom's from Texas, my dad's from Jersey, and basically we grew up loving food. And my dad and mom were the beginning of that two household income where both parents had to work to get to that middle class situation. But they wanted me to get out of poverty. You know, black folks were trying to get out of poverty and everything. Mm-hmm. So they wanted me to go to better schools, you mm-hmm. know. And so they both had to work. But what they did with me was they gave me a hundred dollar a week budget and I gotta keep whatever money I saved and I was clipping coupons. I think I was 12 years old, coupon, and we had the kitchen, and I had to have dinner on the table. That was my only job. Mm-hmm. Our dinner was on the table. When they got home at 6, we, we worked straight. I mean, I, I think I roasted two, two chickens a week, mm-hmm. chicken, Dublin, casserole, spaghetti, and I, I think I broke it down. Like, I, I spent $70 on, you know, weekly budget mm. and pocketed 30. He's 12 years old with 30 extra dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started my candy hustle when I realized the white kids didn't get sugar 
And I was over there with Glow Pops at school. And I was making money. And I think six six months later, I told my dad, I'm retired from chores. And like like, uh, any typical black father, my dad said, well, as long as you're under my roof, mm-hmm. you're going to do the chores, you ain't getting paid. I like, yep. I'm doing the work, I'm going to get paid. So I, I learned that lesson real quick in life. And then uh, me and my mom from Texas, she had me on the field, snapping peas, because all my family in Texas, that's where they came from. Mm-hmm. You know, working in cotton fields, just hard work. And, you know, and, and over my years, it's come down that the hard work ethic, they can't take your hard work ethic or your birthday in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And either you have it or you don't. You know this, like I see it. Our best workers have that work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, we can teach you a thousand things, but if you don't have that work ethic in you, you really aren't going to make it in society these days because you got to work three times as hard, especially being black, African American to do that. You mm-hmm. know? And so um, I was, I, I grew up half my life in Seattle, half my life in Texas. I was in Seattle and it was about uh, with the Central Washington University for a year and got a, a selected out of 400 students to be the food ambassador kind of chef up there. And I was working all five restaurants at the campus mm-hmm. for the school year. Uh, you know, so I took that as an honor as 400 applicants. I got chosen and then I get, started cutting my teeth in there. And then after Hey, hold on, hold. On. So, how did you? All right, so you, you you skipped from Texas to Seattle. What was the? Why did you go to Seattle? Or was it just a, okay, so, it was just okay. a change? Because, so here's the thing. Yeah. No, my mom and dad met in Fort Lewis, Washington, where I was born. Mm-hmm. My dad's army. My mom was Navy. Okay. Uh, Washington State. But what happened was around seven or eight, my mom started seeing I was soft. Mm. So every summer she had to send me to Texas to toughen up. Okay. <laughs> so I wouldn't be no little wussy boy, Washington boy, you know? Yeah. So I had to go down there. My cousins would beat me up and everything. So that went on half my life. I've been down there, but it taught me hard work. My uncle, they, they were in construction. Mm-hmm. They're either farming or construction. So they had me put bars on windows at 200 degree heat. And, you know, <laughs> and, come on, boy, good work. Yeah. You know, I'm like, isn't this supposed to be summer vacation? You know, like, no, no, no. There ain't no vacation in this family, son, you know. But I ate catfish, belt gig, you know, fishing and doing stuff I did. And uh, then Washington State, that's where I spent half my year, most of my year for school in the good schools. Because my mom, you know, she struggled as a kid. And they all had to pick cotton and stuff. And she really just, you know, it's crazy. My mom comes from 14 kids. Mm. seven boys seven girls mm-hmm. and they all have doctor degrees or education nice. because they had to literally walk into their school and hand the teacher money to take a lesson but what they had to do and i didn't found out later was my grandfather had a flatbed truck and he would take people to the fields to pick cotton mm-hmm. and they had to pay him 50 cents to go out to the field and work and then if you've ever seen a cotton sack it's about 25 feet long Mm-hmm. You had to fill that up, and you got maybe a buck and a quarter. So you're working all day long, and fifty cents of that was already booked for your trip out there and trip back. Mm-hmm. And then you had seventy five cents. And so, what my uncle explained to me what he did was, or maybe I'm off track, but this is important to tell you who I am. What he did was he'd go pick cotton, and he'd fill his sack as fast as he could. Mm-hmm. 
and my grandfather taught all the kids how to pick cotton versus pulling cotton. And the difference is when you pick the cotton, you carefully pull it out the bulb. And when you pull it, you just grab the whole bulb. Well, you got more money if you pick the cotton because the cotton would come back into the bulb. You get a second harvest of it. Mm. So the uh, farmers would pay more money for pickers versus pullers. Mm-hmm. So he, my granddaddy taught all his kids how to pick cotton. And they would pick the cotton, fill the sack as soon as they did. And then my uncle would take his dollar twenty-five. And he'd go buy a box of shotgun shells, go down by the river and shoot a bunch of little rabbits and sell the rabbits for 65 cents a rabbit mm-hmm. to all the families. And he, he tripled his money. So I thought that was very interesting that he early, early on realized I got to do this to get my seed money. And then I'm going I'm to be the rabbit shooter of the neighborhood and sell the little rabbit and do that to make a little extra money. Mm-hmm. You know? And so my mom taught me the hard work when we were in Washington. She had us in every farmer's field. So we could we do a pick and pull, you know, you got out there picking your green beans. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and my dad would always order cords of wood. I'm like, we don't burn that much wood. He's like, nah, nah, get out there and chop it. It was never <laughs> the little chunks of wood. It was always the big ones. I had to use an axe. Like I was on the hunt shows in Washington and Alaska. Mm-hmm. Wood and all that. But it taught me work ethic. And so between, between Washington and Texas, that's where I kind of learned my love and passion for cooking. Mm-hmm. And I was a fat kid. Mm-hmm. Fat kids, you know, we, we love eating. You know, they just, I just love it. And, and, and But, you know, nowadays I'm more eating nutritionally mm-hmm. because I've learned as an African-American and I found out my dad's Italian, so I'm Italian too. Um, we basically, we love that carbs and the, you know, the rich food mm-hmm. and the tapestry of our palate. But it's not really healthy for us as African Americans with our biological, you know, diabetes and stuff. And uh, so I'm working on my nutrition. I've lost 200 pounds. Oh wow! Uh, Congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you, man. You know, it was near. It was it was kind of touch and go there for a minute. You know, I was getting there, but God just stepped in and said, "I ain't done with you yet. You got more stuff to do." Mm-hmm. So I stepped in. So uh, I was in Washington. I left college early and went to Seattle and got hooked up with a great company. Uh, it was called Red Tomato. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is <laughs> I have an uncle who lives in Australia. His name is Joe Ray. And Uncle Joe uh, took me in for my first week out of college. We partied, you know. He was like, we, I thought it was the greatest vacation ever, you know. <laughs> like Uncle Joe's the coolest. He always still is. Shout out to Uncle Joe. Shout out and to Uncle Joe. Sitting there, Uncle Joe, I'm like, I think it's like 4:30 in front of Cecil. Uncle Joe cracks that door open, and he kicks in the door like he's the police, right? <laughs> Get your butt up! You time to go to work. You had a week off. You need a job in the week. Rent is due, and, and and he motivated me with that, you know, wake up to get out there, and I ended up going to my old high school job delivering pizzas for this company. Well, this company was doing a Italian concept with it, and they ended up um, hiring all these fancy chefs. You know, up until then, I didn't know what a saute cook did. I didn't know what a pantry, <laughs> you know, all these positions. Mm-hmm. I made a great pizza, <clears throat> and the I'm sitting there, and the guy, luckily for me, the guy liked me. He was the general manager. He 
I had to drive 40 minutes every day to work, and they had me do a janitorial to start. As they're putting together a restaurant, you know how there's not really, you know, equipment there. Well, he got fired. Another guy got fired. I was just doing the janitorial, <laughs> and I kept missing. Like, new guys came in. Well, a new team comes in, and my mentor was hired. His name was Alex Crawlis. Great guy, little Greek guy. He was funny. See, you know, you those GMs you work for that are just crazy, but mm-hmm. great guy. Mm-hmm. Full of knowledge and stuff. That's Alex. Mm-hmm. But they also recognize greatness. And, you know, part of what we do, Cecil, is we see people and we see their greatness before they see their greatness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the greatness of management and great managers is you see someone's potential, you know. And, and you know, all the years we work uh, for corporate America and stuff, we understood the game. You mm-hmm. know, we see the potential. And we, we translated that into our own businesses today. So Alex kind of was there and we... We, we started this restaurant and the chef came in from New Jersey, Chef Walker, and he made Gordon Ramsay look like a little puppy. You know what I mean? <laughs> this guy was... <laughs> and, you know, with chefs, sometimes they're territorial. And this guy didn't hire me. Mm-hmm. But he, they were told, they told him he had to keep me on because I had been working to, to have a position in this kitchen staff, you know? And I'll never forget it. He turned around and said, he did everything old school at Stopwatch. So he had every station had a stopwatch, and he turned around and said, "You got two uh, ten minutes to cut uh, forty eight heads of romaine, one inch by one inch, mm-hmm. each section put away, start." And you know, when that timer came over, he came over and lit. If you weren't done, you got to marry, you got written up, or you got cussed out. It was no, you know, <laughs> back in the early restaurants, there was none of this. My sensitivities. And, oh no, nah. <laughs> not at all. Oh hell no. Nah. Yeah, you know, so. But the good thing is my knife skills, I learned them on point. Yeah. And I could, <laughs> and through all the hard work, you know, it's true in life. When you go through adversity, it makes you harder. Mm-hmm. I was watching the thing, it said steel, sharpen steel. You know? mm-hmm. And when you, when you go through this thing, so Chef Walker hired all these fancy chefs, you know, blind cooks, saute cooks. And I think at the time I was, at 825 an hour, they all came in at 14, 12, you know, and I was like, man. And the first night they did a friends and family night, and it was a huge debacle. Mm-hmm. The pizzas were bad because they could they could saute, but they couldn't make a pizza. You know, they could do all this stuff. So they came to me and said, Robbie, can you bail us out and make the pizzas? And, and through that process, I made the pizzas and then I learned how to saute, pantry, dessert, every position. Rose to the ranks of a sous chef and for the company. And then this one waiter came to me and said, Hey, my family wants to open an Italian restaurant in California. Mm-hmm. And I was 25 years old. And I was like, You know what? I need to go. Okay. You know, I ain't doing nothing here. Nothing's up here for me. I had to go to the CF. So I came to Folsom, California in 95 and opened up this famous little pasta place called I Love Pasta. <laughs> and boy, we were 20 years ahead of our time. Oh, man. Brewing fresh pasta from Seattle, uh, you know, and for five years, this restaurant Folsom was doing fresh pasta, doing stuff that people hadn't even heard of down here. And and, and I grew, right, my legend started there. Chef Ray was born, and it was my first executive chef position. I did that uh, for five years, did a great job. And then I joined Red Robin, and that's where you kind of, Heard about me a little bit, mm-hmm. and I came over to. The, I worked in all the little Red Robins in the Sacramento area, and then 
I went to Galleria and then started hanging out with the TF Chains crew. Mm-hmm. After the Chains crew, and then uh, I met you over at Sienna, right? I was at Crush Twenty Nine, where Sienna is now. Yes. Yeah, Crush Twenty Nine, and I said, "Look at this brother Cecil over there. Look at the brother brother in the kitchen, in the open kitchen." <laughs> I was proud to see another brother back there. Running the show, you were you know taking care. Of, you were running the show. Hey, I was I was doing my thing back then, man. I was I was young, you know, chefing it up, you know, like in the middle of Roseville. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew my background. I was <laughs> until they until they learned. <laughs> until they learned. Same thing with me. Until they learned, and we we were destined for something great. Yeah, you know? and. But we we met great people there, you know. It was a great opportunity to see that. And then uh, I started. Uh, I went on my own, you know. I ultimately said, "Hey, I want I want to be successful. I want to be a trailblazer." I went on my own, which has been the hardest thing I've ever done, uh, going on my own. And I opened a sports bar inside of Rebounds nightclub, mm-hmm. college bar and stuff, and made a bunch of mistakes. But this really wise guy, I call him. Uh, Rich, that he told me in small business, small businesses fail because they don't work it themselves. Mm-hmm. You got to get in there and work it yourself mm-hmm. for at least 20 years. No one tells you the year part, but you got to get in there. And I, I basically had to humble myself. You know, the first two weeks I got to do suits. I was like, yeah, I was in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the little ball man. You mm-hmm. know? And then all of a sudden, I got the first payroll bill. I was like, hey, hey, where did all my savings go? And then the one lady there told me, she said, look, if you don't work this yourself, you have to close your dream and go back to corporate America. Mm-hmm. And so I got in there, started flipping my own burgers, making my own nachos and tacos, and literally just told my staff, I just can't afford you, and I had to do it myself. Yeah. And from there, I did that for a few years, and then I opened Gaetano's Pizzeria. I took over that business in Rockland, and that's where you met me bringing all the pizzas. Mm-hmm. And I've always had a passion for Italian food and cooking. And until my dad did 23andMe and found out he's an Italian guy, <laughs> I understand why I have the Italian palate. Yeah. And my grandfather on the Italian side was a baker, very famous Italian baker. Mm-hmm. And he, I'm trying to get the recipe. He used to do this loaf of bread that had ground beef and sausage in it, people. You mm. know that'd be fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But you got this bread with some meat all up in it. Man. Yeah, that sounds hella good. Uh, my nanny, yeah, my nanny, she, she, she's working on getting that for me. So through that pizzeria, I, I found when I, the favorite thing about making pizza is making the dough. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother said my grandfather loved making that dough. And I love making the dough because it's so... It's like earthy and you're getting it. And I'm still <clears throat> working on my passion to do a pizza concept. So I've always had that on my back of my mind. And then after Gaetano's, I came down uh, to close that uh, 2008-9 right there. And then I came down to, it was a club called Dream. Mm-hmm. It was all our people, Cecil. <laughs> Everybody was up in that club down here in SAC. Mm-hmm. I, was, I had the time of my life. You know what it's famous for? Selling five dollar Philly cheesesteaks outside the club. Okay. Everybody thought I was this homeless guy. Well, I really didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I was a man without country. I had my dream. Uh huh. <clears throat> I was gonna give up the dream 
I had been on my own for eight, nine years at this point. And I said, you know what? In Seattle, they used to have a nightclub. And the brothers wanted to open a Philly cheese shop. So they went and they had an ice chest, a big ice chest. They made 100 Phillies and they sold them for $5 outside the club when the drunk folks came out. They met them right in the parking lot. <laughs> Philly cheese, Philly cheese, Philly cheese. And after doing that for 10 weeks, they had their you know, $10,000 to open the Philly cheese shop. Mm-hmm. But they also had a following now. Mm-hmm. Know, everybody so I remember I was down at the Dream Night Club and now it's called uh, uh, what they call Republic mm-hmm. down there, and I I remember the first night everybody's like, "How are you gonna make some money here?" I was like, "I don't know." People like to eat during the club, and so I wait till like eleven o'clock, and I hit the air with the garlic and peppers and stuff. Mm. And all of a sudden, I had the beautiful sisters and brothers knocking on the door, like, "Brother, what you cooking in here?" <laughs> like, I got fried chicken, and yeah. the club I had the best. Club food, you you know, you be the VIP booth with chicken wings, Philly cheeses, and everything. Mm-hmm. And we, we were partying, and then uh, I sat outside the club with a little ice chest with five dollar Phillies, and people be like, it got to the point where I didn't have to stand out front no more because everybody come and place their order mm-hmm. in the kitchen before I got out of there. Well, when that came and they were switching over, I found the location in Oak Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3621 Broadway where T and R barbecue is at. And on that location, it was totally everybody said good luck. Oak Park never had anything successful in this building. Mm-hmm. You know, and what people don't know about is my building that I'm in now used to be a place called Arctic Circle in the 60s. And when Malcolm X came out to Sacramento to talk at the Capitol, he met with Huey Newton of the Black Panthers in my building in the hamburger place. Mm-hmm. I had a guy come in and tell me the story about it. He was eight or nine years old. And that whole area was packed with Malcolm X and he knew that the table I sit at, that's where they would they sat. Mm-hmm. I'm always sitting at that table thinking, masterminding. And so TNR was just, I looked around and said, we don't have a good barbecue spot. Because I'm sure like you, when I first looked around Sacramento, it was just a few barbecue places but it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, man, you know, I'm going to eat barbecue. It's like eating a steak dinner. You know, I'm spending $50, <laughs> Very true. And, and I wanted a place in Oak Park where the people still can afford to eat. Mm. And to this day, one of our biggest sellers now is two ribs and a side dish. Mm-hmm. You know, because two things. Most married guys, they want to come sneak and have a bite to eat before they get home. <laughs> they can't have a whole meal. Okay. <laughs> And then people who are on a big budget, like senior citizens and stuff, they would like to have a nice meal. And two of my ribs are good with the side. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little snack meal for you. Yep. So, you know, that's $7.99. You know, so for $7.99, you get a couple ribs and a side. And it's been real popular. People can stop in, get a little bite. And, and then, you know, we've been there 10, 11 years. And then uh, COVID came on board. Mm-hmm. You know, and, through COVID, uh, I, you know, let me back up for a second. I have a spot over at Howe Avenue now with the catering kitchen because, as you know, we we get left out as African-Americans from these big corporate caterings. Mm-hmm. Especially Sacramento is really political about the big corporate account. It's very hard for us to get anything, you know. I've been partnered with the Burgess Brothers 
to help us even knock down the doors to get corporate stuff. And shout out to the Burgess Brothers because they've yeah, been shout doing out. great to get us African-American business people an opportunity to even a, place bids on these caterers. Mm-hmm. And it's, in, it's incredible how hard it is for us to even get a 500-person catering, let alone it's like two big catering companies that they have the monopoly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got that location over there because one of the biggest things they always say is, where's your catering kitchen? Mm-hmm. You know, so I got to show the kitchen. And through that now, I let African-American business owners or anybody who's in business come use that kitchen to show, hey, I took out of here because I have all the char grill, double convection. So we can do the volume mm-hmm. we and we can do the stuff, but now they can't say we don't have a facility to cook out of. Okay. You know, and so that's where my passion is now is to coordinate between our community, everybody helping everybody coming together. And that's what the Burgesses and I do very well is we're working together as a team to say there's plenty of food out here for everybody. Mm-hmm. And as you know, there's how many black business restaurateurs are in Sacramento? There ain't that many. I mean, nah, man. Yeah, there's fifteen of us. Yeah, there's 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 you know, like there's a few of us, but uh, you know, at the at the same time, you know, um, you know, uh, us as black people, when when we when we came up, we're like, oh, we just stick to you know, we stick to our own. But like my own growing up was my family, you know, like we didn't go outside of that, so. Right. <laughs> You know, so, you know, it, it takes us a while to, you know, be like, hey, Rodney Ray's out here doing his thing. Let me team up with him. Or, you know, like, you know, uh, Jonathan and Matthew over at the Burgess Brothers, you know, big shout out to them. You know, they're yeah. doing they're doing some great things in the community and been doing it for a long time. So, right. you know, like um, it, I, I think it just takes a, you know, a conversation because anytime that I ever reach out to, you know, like you or, you know, Nagina and I just talked to Jereen Williams earlier today and, you know, like it's all love. It's just us having that conversation too, Rodney, you know what I mean? Right. And, and that's where <clears throat> we need to come together because I think, I don't know about you, but I think we need our own bank. Yeah. Okay. And we need to say, hey, let's. Why can't we have our own bank that focuses on us? Because you know, if we go to a bank to get a loan, they they don't lend the restaurant, mm-hmm. and so we're 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 stuck with these predatory credit card loans and all this stuff. Yeah, that really further burden our stuff. So you know, I really, uh, I was listening to Master P a while back, and what he's been doing and what they're doing in the South is a lot of the black folks that come together and say, hey, why don't we have our own? Uh, he has this uh, company called Rap Snacks, mm-hmm. and I'm working on getting the distributorship out here um, where, where they have the Rap Snacks and all this, and it's all meat, like noodles, um, different chips, and different stuff that we create that have flavor, and it's real cool, but it's our own business. Mm-hmm. You know, because we eat snacks, mm-hmm. we eat all this, but why don't we eat our own top ramen? Why don't we eat our own uh, chips? And that's kind of what the premise is: is saying, "Hey, let's financially secure our piece here, because everybody else is doing it except us." Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, getting our thing. But it all starts with funding. Most African American black businesses in America are undercapitalized. Mm-hmm. We're underfunded. And mm-hmm. we can't get anything because our families don't come from that generation. Mm-hmm. 
it's going to be for the generational wealth and where we're at. And that's my mission now. Yeah. Get us all together, pool our resources, let's start a bank, let's get it there. I've reached out to some black banks and say, hey, why can't we have a Sacramento chapter? Mm-hmm. I think all of us African-American black businesses would love to put our deposits in our own bank. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we run money to them. Why, why can't we do it? Because I'm tired of being told no when I go for banking, you know, and stuff like that, because we need capital to, to expand on our idea. Yeah, that's, you know, that's very like, true. You and I are very creative, but if we had the capital to back our ideas, there's nothing stopping us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I think that's it there, you know, and uh, through the pandemic, I've seen people um, we, we had to go back to traditional cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, people are at home making their own food. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's a good thing because when people call, talk to me, they're like, man, how do you make this? How do you do that? And so they're, they're relying on us more for the basis of trying to figure out how to put things back. Yeah. That's a little long-winded story about my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, hey, it was great, man. Uh, we we do have to we have to jump jump right on to a, a couple games here. You down to play a few games? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Top five. All right. So you know where we have to go with this. We go on barbecue, and I know you're eating a lot of barbecue in your day. I need your top five barbecue joints of all time. Rodney Ray, Sacramento King of Barbecue. We need to know this could be Texas, it could be Cali, it could be Washington, it could be, you know, the Carolinas. We need Rodney Ray's top five barbecue joints of all time. All right, well, TNR is going to be in the top five. You can't say TNR. We already know TNR. Is a, you got, <laughs> besides TNR. Besides TNR. I'm going to go. There's uh, in Texas, there's, uh, what's it called? Now I've got a book. You got me on it. Um, Blacks in Texas. Okay. okay. And then. The shout out to the mom and pops down there. I mean, all of them there. None of the really corporate ones, but Texas is all about the beef. You know, on that note, I had great barbecue in Memphis, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had great barbecue in Kansas City. Okay. And what TNR does is like a hybrid of both places. Mm. Okay? But <clears throat> and when I looked at this country and everything, I've eaten barbecue all over. And there's a couple, they're always the small mom and pops that I try to eat at. Mm-hmm. So I can't really give you the names of some of those, but I know Blacks, and then I know there was this one that turned over a big supermarket. I'll think of the name here in a minute, but they put the pits inside the supermarket. Oh, wow. The brick pit. Yeah. And they serve everything on butcher paper, and it's just, it's phenomenal. We put nice. like a thousand people in this place. Mm-hmm. And I love their barbecue. It's really good. But I ended up, um, Combining Memphis and Kansas City with TNR. The reason why is I love the flavor profile of both. Mm-hmm. But brisket, Texas is for the beef. Mm-hmm. I want beef. I'm going to Texas. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going to go. The pork in Memphis and stuff in Kansas City is great. You know, mm-hmm. But I'd have to say uh, 
not really a name seat for a barbecue joint because I've eaten a lot of places. Yeah. It's always the mom and pop one. I'll just say shout out to any mom and pop barbecue spot uh, anywhere in the United States because I know how hard barbecue is to perfect. Mm-hmm. And every day someone comes in to try to challenge me on this and that. And what I did with TNR is I made the barbecue profile fit for California. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of Californians don't like a lot of heavy smoke, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a few places in fact that do good barbecue. Burgesses do good barbecue and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great barbecue sauce and great uh, cornbread muffins and things. But for me, I wanted the profile of ham and bacon. Mm-hmm. So that's what my barbecue tastes like—a little bit like ham and bacon. Okay. But in Texas, if I want beef, I'm getting the tomahawk beef rib, blacks. Mm-hmm. It's like four inches thick. It's crazy. <laughs> you get a beef rib like that. It, you know, I, I'm like, we don't have that much meat in our ribs up here. Yeah. I really get like, how do I get a meat rib like that? You know. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Kansas City, Memphis. It's always the side of the road or the small hole in the wall. Forty mm. year barbecue place that I'll always frequent. Yeah. So that's my thing. Okay. All right. So. um I need I need five people dead or alive. Who's coming to Rodney Ray's barbecue? Who's coming to the cookout, Rodney Ray? Dead uh, or alive? This could be celebrities. It could be politicians. It could be anybody that you want. Dead or alive? Who's coming to Rodney Ray's barbecue cookout? All right, I'm gonna have Christmas addicts. Okay. The first brother who died in the Revolutionary War. The first man who said, I ain't going to be putting up with no British rule. <laughs> they had to put him down. <laughs> He's coming to dinner. Okay. To thank him for his sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have um, at my table be my grandfather, Joseph James Ray. He was one of the guys that taught me some great cooking knowledge and food. I'm bringing him definitely to the table. Okay. He passed away in 2000. He's going to be there. I would ultimately like to have dinner with Troy Landry from Swamp People because that guy, I love that show, and I love how he cooks alligator. He always talks about, shoot him, shoot him, and everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he loves passion for food, you know. So I'm definitely going to bring him to the table. I would like to have – I would really like to have some barbecue with – you know, it's kind of crazy – but I would have loved to have barbecue with Prince mm. okay? because Prince was my, my, I was, I'm a huge Prince fan. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have some barbecue with Prince. And, and I know he would have been like tearing all the food up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, if you hadn't seen, he probably like, I don't really touch that. I know he had a very strict eating, but mm-hmm. if he would have tried one rib. I think he would have, you know, changed over a little bit, you know, switched over to my ribs secretly. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, I'd like to have a uh, barbecue with Chappelle. Oh, all right. He'd, he'd, have, he'd have some stories to tell about some barbecue mm-hmm. and stuff. And so that's my top five for now. But ultimately, bringing food to the world, you know, and go there. So that's that, you know. Yeah, I, I think Dave Chappelle's been on everybody's list. He's just, <laughs> you know, I, he's he's in my top five, you know. So, yeah. um I just like eating with funny people. What's that? I like eating with funny people. Oh yeah. I think Eddie Murphy, 
Eddie Murphy would be fun to eat with too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eddie would be like, what, what is this? You know, like, what are you trying to feed me up here? <laughs> you know, I think Eddie would be funny. All right. So we got, we got one more top five. So <clears throat> when, when any, yeah, I, I, um, when anybody goes into, you know, TNR, there's always, you know, just, just some soulful music going on in there. So I need Rodney Ray's top five barbecue jam. So we have to cook out. We got Dave Chappelle. We got, you know, we got all kinds of different people. We got grandpops there, you know, so I need top five barbecue jams from Rodney Ray. All right, we're going we're gonna to bake. We're going to get in there. It's getting hot in here. Oh, nice. All right. We're going to turn around and break with some buckwheat Zydeco. Oh, okay. Some buckwheat Zydeco <laughs> up in there. All right. We're definitely going to have some Billy Holiday or some jazz going on with some of that stuff there. I'm going to play some prints. All right. You know, some early print and some of that, you know, there. But most importantly, you got to have 70s R&B, no matter what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have Earth, Wind, and Fire. You're going to have uh, OJs. You're going to have all those guys mm-hmm. playing that music. Because that's what I grew up on. You grew up on mm-hmm. barbecuing in the backyard <laughs> and those jams playing on the AM radio. Yep. They never put black folks on FM. Okay? <laughs> we had AM. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and these kids these days have no clue how good they got. Yeah, exactly. We had like six channels and AM radio. You know? <laughs> So that's what I'm playing right there. All right. Hey. Zydeco, I love me some New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know, some of that Cajun music. You got some good food going on. It's just, you know, that's just love. Music and love. And I think, hands down, music and food go together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can go there. Yep. Um, okay, so this is the part of the show. And I know this is going to be a good one, everybody out there listening, where we come in hot. Now, you, if you guys been listening to this, my brother Rodney Ray is very opinionated and he doesn't hold back. So, Rodney Ray, what are we coming in hot on? We're coming in hot. You know what? We're coming in hot on. Kids who are not having enough food to eat. Mm. Single mothers who are having a hard time feeding their kids. Yep. And that leads me to what my final chapter of my life will be dedicated to feeding kids and single mothers. And I'm working on a project to help after school these kids come to the to the cafeteria to pick up meals to take home. Okay. Okay. And through that vision is no child will be left hungry in America as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So ultimately I want to build that up. I want to work on us creating meals for these kids because a lot of the stuff stems from being hungry. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, I was reading on this lady in India. She takes her restaurant leftovers, puts it in the fridge, and makes sandwiches out of it. And anybody can come up and grab it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm working on a food trailer and putting the food on this trailer. And you can walk up to it and say, I'm hungry. And you can hand them a hot meal. Here you go. 500 meals on the trailer, blah, 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 blah. Anybody can go up to it and get a meal. Yeah, kids. Single moms, you know, single moms, they work. Oh, the, the wealth gap between African-Americans and everybody else. So for me, it's food, helping people with food. And then the flip side is creating food so we can have it affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to the supermarket, I see a head of romaine. I'm like, oh, okay, three forty nine. dollars I look up and see organic. Mm-hmm. And then I see a head of lettuce for $0.79, cents, mm-hmm. you know. I'm saying people during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't have their job, but they made real choices. Mm-hmm. How do I feed my kid here? But you and I know how we can feed someone for ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep. We know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So we need to start teaching everybody here and go back to the traditional ways, the old school ways where you make a pot of this and everybody eats. Mm-hmm. But we gotta do it nutritionally because a lot of our food is full of sodium full of starches and food yeah. that stuff. So uh, my big coming in hot is these kids being hungry. We're America. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be anyone in this country hungry. No, not at all. And and, and everybody knows the TNR. If you're hungry, come in. I'll get you at least a bowl of beans and a piece of cornbread, mm-hmm. something that I can get for you. So that's my passion right now, Cecil, is doing God's work, feeding people, doing what it takes to help these kids out and being a role model for these kids the best I can. Yeah. I'm still human. I'm still a man, you know, and ultimately when we get to that point in our lives where we just want to give back, mm-hmm. I'm all about giving back. Sacramento has been great. I've been working in there, but I love Oak Park. Yeah. Everybody gives Oak Park a hard time, but I love me the P <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a citizen of the P now. And I love Oak Park. Everybody is everybody here. You still got a sense of family from the poorest to the richest in Oak Park. Yeah, all family over here. Very you know? true. And you can go to the park right over here and, and play dominoes and barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's our own little part of Sacramento that people don't really understand. That everybody know everybody, and we all we take care. Of. I mean, Mozzie's from here. Yeah, you know I mean, mm-hmm. when Mozzie comes to town. Everybody's jumping in Oak Park. <laughs> Everybody from Oak Park with Mozzie in town. <laughs> yeah, Mozzie at, at the gas station. <laughs> he made it out with all the big wigs, but he comes home to Oak Park. Yep. All his little homies come in with their little Mozzie chains, mm-hmm. eating hot link sandwiches, and that's what they do. You know, So that's what TNR represents. So that's why coming in hot, we got a lot of problems in the world. And finally, we're getting recognition as African-Americans that we know what the problem is, but we need to come together first mm-hmm. before we ask everybody else for help. And we got to turn around and we got to work together as a group. And I think we can achieve a lot of great things. So my mission is working together. Uh, and, you know, that's where she go there, you know. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, you know, like, and we, we talk quite a bit, so, you know, we'll have a side conversation on how we could build on, uh, these programs that you're talking about for sure. And, um, we're, we're about to get up out of here, but, um, definitely, uh, want to, um, just mention a little something, um, about this, this man, Rodney Ray, um, about two and a half years ago. You know, I had, you know, I, I'm, I have Nash and Proper, and a lot of people don't understand that uh, Nash and Proper in the beginning almost went out of business just because we didn't have, we just didn't have that much business. I was still running Cecil's Taste at the time. Uh, Nash and Proper just kind of came, came out of nowhere. You know, I, I had to make this uh, chicken sandwich for UC Davis, so um, it was going crazy there, but it wasn't busy anywhere else. Um, and then I, I went over to Rodney, um, just having like a, a little powwow with them. And as I was sitting there, I saw all the traffic going past his restaurant and I was, I asked Rodney, Hey, can I come and park here? And he's, he's always been a gracious man. Um, and he let us park there and you know, the rest is history. A lot of people, um, you know, they, they they know that connection with you know Nash and Proper and TNR Barbecue like we you know we've been on a little hiatus from there just because uh, truck situations but you know like the graciousness that you gave Rodney I just want to say thank you and you know Nash and Proper I don't know where it would have been if you know you weren't you know if you didn't let us come and park out in front of your spot and um. I just want to, I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity, you know, and you know, like Rodney, you know, like you're a, you're a great guy. Um, I, I've seen you doing your thing out in, um, in Oak park for years now. Um, you know, everybody knows TNR out there, everybody that, you know, like, like you said, the mozzies and, you know, anybody else that comes and visits, um, you know, Oak park is always stopping by TNR. Um, you want to go ahead and give out your uh, social media, Rodney, um, how people could, you know, come to you for your barbecue and, and for catering. Yeah. They can just go right now. We're working on, uh, tnrbarbecue.com we're getting re-updating it getting it all modern and stuff so look for that soon so right now you can find us at 362 on Broadway uh, in Oak Park and also 1310 Howe Avenue over Howe and Hurley and that's pretty much where we're working on and trying to revamp we're getting ready to come out with a big patio on Broadway so we can have more seats I'm getting ready to redo the kitchen over there so I can do more catering and do more uh, different stuff out of that location and, and we're just looking for the new time. I got a patch of land. I'm working with Diesel. We're going to have food truck mania as much mm-hmm. as possible. I'm bringing, we bring the food trucks to the P and we, anybody who's that. What, what do we call it? Brofo? Brofo. 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 <laughs> yeah, brofo. Uh, trademark. We're going to trademark the Brofo. And, uh, we're going to turn around. Anybody who has a food truck, get all the Cecil and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're trying to put together our own little coalition of uh, African American black businesses. They have the food trucks that we have our own little group that people need catering of certain genres. And we, we all can, we all can, we got so many different foods in our tapestry of our cultures. Yep. You got Jamaican, you got Caribbean, you mm-hmm. got, you know, uh, 
African. We got everything. So if you got a truck out there, get all the seats on myself and Broadway, and we'll go from there. Yep. And, you know, thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on Rodney. Um, yeah. So you guys could check me out, uh, at coming in hot on all social media at Nash and proper on all social media. You can holler at me at chef cease, uh, com to get that delicious mouth watering, crunchy, hot, chicken sandwich so i'll see you guys next week thank you we love you this is coming in hot the podcast